years. As long as you get married. I need that wedding. I need some beauty and some music and some place cards before I die. I saw that going differently in my mind. You know what's wrong with you? No, what? Welcome to The Dating Debrief. I'm your host, Thomas Tucker. Here we try to provide a safe environment for people to share their experiences with looking for love and intimacy. I interview people of all walks of life on this show, and while I neither condone nor condemn their behavior, the purpose is to share their stories with the rest of you so we can all better understand one another. This podcast endeavors to create a safe and respectful LGBTQIAC loving space where we listen with love and respect to people of all races, faiths, walks of life, sexual preferences and identities, and where we stress consent, understanding, respect for others, and love between all people. This podcast may contain profanity or descriptions of triggering events as we explore some of the trauma that some of our guests have experienced. Remember, you can stop listening at any time. Please help us provide an ongoing, supportive, and soul-searching environment to delve deeper into people's personal experiences with dating, frustrations, celebrations, challenges, and learn a little bit about how others are looking for love and long-term romantic connection. Welcome to The Dating Debrief. Today's guest is Caden, a 25-year-old self-taught computer engineer who grew up in a small town in Alaska before moving to Austin, Texas in his early 20s. Caden shares with us the confusion that many of us feel when trying to navigate love and the inner questions of, why am I not good enough for this person? Why do I feel overlooked by all the good partners? And should I just give up and resign to me being alone and that being enough? Through his journey through opening up his marriage in his early 20s, closing out his marriage in a crushing divorce, and trying to make sense of the seemingly senseless world of modern dating, Caden shows us that our desire to find patterns in the world, to understand the why of being alone or frustrated, can sometimes overshadow the deeper and harder questions of how can I be less afraid, and is it wrong to just want to love someone and be loved? The answer? Listen with us as we discuss those very questions. So what did you, what, first of all, thank you for being so brave and, and sending me your well-crafted email. I, I really appreciate your story and the vulnerability that you showed in writing me somebody you don't know and uh, mm-hmm. reaching out and kind of processing some of your thoughts around your, your marriage, some, some thoughts around some of the experience toward the end of your relationship and, and some of the things that you've, you've been involved in, um, in terms of your, uh, your romantic, 
um, experience over the last couple of years. What would you really like to talk about today? What's what's on your mind? I know you mentioned a little. Uh, so, I know you mentioned some stuff about the Red Pill Society. And yeah, I kind of wanted and, to like leave it open to you in a lot of ways, but that was something that I wanted to to talk about a bit because that's something I've been thinking about uh, a lot. Um, but I don't know, and like I appreciate the uh, the kind words. Um, I don't necessarily think of it as bravery per se because I think of it as just me analyzing the facts of my life. Um, yeah. And, you know, while this is our first conversation with each other, um, I am current on all of the, the episodes. So it doesn't oh, feel wow. as if I don't know you. Um, wow. Thank you so much for, for, for listening to all that. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, thank you for opening this narrative. Um, and like, that's part of why I wanted to reach out to you is because uh, I've noticed a lot on the show, like it, it covers a very wide range of uh, opinions and like experiences, uh, but a lot of the the people that are uh, participating in the conversation so far have been, uh, you know, females in the mid twenties to mid thirties range, um, right? And that's that's specifically who I'd like to have this conversation with, um, or at least pose this idea to, um, because okay. there there is a lot of problems with our current uh, social dating environment, and spoiler alert, the problem is all of us. Um, so it, but that, that gets into its own things. Um, so I don't know what, what do you want to talk about? Well, I, I, I'm interested in, in, in the thread that you're currently on. What, what conversation would you like to start with, um, with people like Sandy and with people like, um, uh, Stephanie and, and some of the other strong women that I've had on the show? Like, yeah. So first and foremost, I want to say, like, I respect uh, a lot of the people that actually pretty much everyone that's been on the show so far. Um, And it backtracks to uh, I'll go ahead and talk about uh, the episode with Jose first. Okay. Um, And uh, relating his experience to his marriage with my own. Um, And so, like, I, I was in a relationship for six years married for three of them. Uh, I felt like it was a really good marriage uh, and a really good relationship throughout. Uh, and I think that that was something that, you know, we both mutually felt. Um, and we kind of had come to that that point of natural separation. Um, our, our splitting, while the circumstance of it was very rocky and like we definitely went through a lot of trial and tribulation in that regard, um, there was a lot of compromise, uh, throughout and like leading up to, and really trying to make it work to like both of our personalities and like adjusting to the social climate and both of us having been from Alaska and then coming to a place like Austin where there's much different, um, perceptions. And like, uh, she found herself to be very, uh, inclined to polyamory and I very much was not, but like we decided to open our marriage anyway. And so I wanted to, like, I think that that wasn't a poor decision to make because I think that was me respecting the boundaries that my partner wanted to define. And, um, you know, like while it was a bit of a, a personal sacrifice and it wasn't my favorite choice to make, like I, I was doing it out of respect for my partner. And so there was something that I, um, oh, who was it? I think it was Sarah that you were talking about uh with the open relationship and you had asked her uh do you think it's important for whenever a polyamorous or an open relationship couple takes on another partner for them to have that conversation between all parties and to that i would say absolutely yes um that is one of the core tenets 
of having an open relationship. And so, um, like, I'm a bit appalled by the experience that she went through in that regard um, because it wasn't fair to her and it wasn't fair to his other partner. And, you know, like, you, you go to the length of setting up an open relationship probably so that you guys can have that mutual understanding of like we as humans have different needs um, but then you don't go to the effort of respecting the the partner to the further degree of being able to notify them um, that you're you know it, entering another person and into the relationship uh, even if they're not immediately interfacing with the other like your other party um, it it just you want to make sure that you're like respecting that sort of stuff Right. It seems, seems like a violation of trust. It seems like, it seems like if the, the people that I've talked to that have healthy polyamorous relationships, um, they have always stressed how important communication is and that they tend to, um, to notify each other of where their boundaries are that day, almost on a daily basis. And they find that, that it changes, um, from, from time to time. It, one partner might feel okay with somebody bringing, uh, another partner around at one point, And then the next week they might not find that emotionally safe or, or physically safe in their own home. Um, and that's, those boundaries have to be a constant conversation. So I I would agree with you that the communication there is is very important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But to, to take it back with um, to the experience that I had felt with uh, and how it compared to, uh, to Jose was like, you know, before we had decided to open the relationship, there were multiple secret partners um, Mm. that like I had found out about and was, you know, had been devastated by. And then, uh, it was on that road to recovery that she was like, well, this is an important thing to me that I feel that I now know that I have to have in my life. Uh, and I was like, okay, I can understand that. I love you. And I'm going to try to work through that. Um, and so, you know, like we, we went through those various efforts, but the ultimate conclusion was that we ended up in divorce. Um, and I appreciate her for the way that we went about the divorce because we were very minimal courts. Like we were both very understanding. Like we had one car and the apartment and like I worked far away and she worked right next to where we lived. And so, you know, she was like, I can walk to work. You take the car. Uh, And that's how we split it. Like we had no kids. Uh, We had a cat and a dog and I took the dog and she got the cat. And like, you know, that, that was basically all she wrote. Uh, And I, pretty much haven't talked to her since um like how long has that been uh three years okay two two and a half three years ish i don't know i i don't particularly keep track obviously there was some betrayal and there was some uh, injury of trust between the two of you when there were these secret affairs that were going on that, that you later learned about. How did you handle that betrayal of trust and communicate how it made you feel? And how did that lead to a discussion about polyamory? Because uh, one one might say, or one might look at it from the outside in and say, well, this person was um, your partner, your wife was, was dishonest in the relationship and had extra marital affairs. But then whenever this behavior was called out, instead of, instead of being remorseful or, or changing her behavior, she kind of did the opposite and said, Oh no, this is the way I'm built. 
Um, I need this. And so now I need some vehicle to make it okay so that this is no longer cheating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, I'm still not entirely uh, sure on like what was going through her mind during that time period. Um, but I know for me, uh, I had come from not the best uh, circumstances growing up. Uh, and like both of my parents having divorced multiple times and like, you know, I, I remember a lot of the, the shitty things that like my parents went through in their divorce and like the shitty things they did to each other when their relationship was on the rocks. And I didn't want to be that person. Um, and this combined with, after I had kind of left that kind of smaller ecosystem and was exposed to the much larger world and, uh, especially with uh, modern feminism being like as it is currently and like me wanting to support the woman power movements and like being a general ally for my people and like my other sexual orientations, even though I'm a straight white male, I think humans are valid. Um, and so I don't want to tread on what other people are feeling and, you know, make them feel less valid in themselves. And so when she had come back to me and said, like, I don't know who I am, like, we're, we're, we got married very young, um, like, right out of high school, we had moved down to Salt Lake. And like, I think this was really unfair of, um, <laughs> funny enough, like my landlord at the time. Um, but like the landlord was very Mormon and would not let us sleep in the same room unless we were married. And so <laughs> I was like, we've been dating for like three years and I have no intent to leave. Do you want to just get married? And she was like, yeah. Um, Interesting. And she's like, but I want you to actually propose. And I was like, yeah, no, for sure. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, that was something that was like in our cards. Um, and so, you know, like uh, we made it happen and went through the that whole process. And again, I, I think that it was a good endearing relationship but i think that we did we were very young and we suffered a lot of those kind of um codependency issues uh and mm. neither of us really had a chance to explore ourselves and like as we had come into our our early 20s we were you know like we had started drinking together um and like we'd kind of grown into that realm and like she wanted to get more into the party scene and i realized i'm much more of a reserved person um, and like, I, I enjoyed the drinks and like, I, I had my funds at the parties, but like, you know, um, by the time we had come to this point, um, she was like, I'm realizing more and more now that I feel like I'm non-binary and, you know, I have these polyamorous feelings and I felt them for years and I've been suppressing them out of respect for our marriage. And I don't know if I can keep doing that. And I was like, well, then let's not put the burden entirely on you as your partner. I should be able to share some of this. Um, mm. And so that's why we decided to, you know, open the marriage. Um, and I, I still, to this day, I think that there's a potential that it could have worked, but like when I look at it statistically, we were always going to fail. Um, why statistically? Uh, so that gets more into what I would talk to with the, uh, with the red pill society. Um, okay, what is that? What is the Red Pill Society? So uh, it, it kind of comes into a couple of different things that have been kind of circulating about the internet and people will call it like fringe, but it's not really a fringe theorem at this point. Um, so and, and it kind of ties into the guys going their own way movement, the manosphere kind of bubble that and, and I don't really subscribe to the to the manosphere strictly. 
even though I think that it has many different facets that I may be able to, you know, poke into it points, I think that overall what the Manosphere generally stands by, I'm not as in. Um, but very specifically within the Manosphere, there's a group that refers to themselves as the Red Pill Society. Um, and it plays off of the matrix of like, you know, you can take the blue pill, keep doing what you're, you know, doing, keep uh, sticking to this norm, uh, or you can take the red pill, realize that there's problems in our system and do what you want with that information. Um, and this specific subsect as it pertains is oftentimes looking at dating. Um, and they're saying, here are the statistics behind divorce and here are the statistics behind modern dating and our society as it's transitioned into this hypergamous state. And here's why you should probably avoid, uh, tying your relationship to any sort of marriage institution. Um, cause, uh, in a lot of those cases, guys are getting raw dogged, um, what does that mean that guys are getting raw dogged? Um, just so like whenever you look at it, um, take, take for instance. So here's, here's one of the statistics, um, in the age range of 20 to 35, uh, where a relationship between a man and a woman and the man is initially making a higher income, but then that dynamic shifts in 95% of those instances, instead of then working on uh, developing the man, the women will leave for another partner. And if they are uh, married at that time, um, you know, usually that it will result in divorce. Um, but the way that the divorce courts are favored, even if uh, the woman is making more money, the man is subject to alimony. Um, and so then all she has to not do to continue collecting that alimony is not get married. So she goes and finds her other partner, is making more money than you, is living with her partner, and they don't get married but you're still paying her alimony. Okay. Like, so is the purpose of these societies for people who have felt wronged by, uh, by the modern relationship? Yes. By, by whatever partners they've with, with whom they've been in relationships. Um, they kind of get together and, and, uh, I guess, are, are they advocating that the system is rigged against them or are they just supporting each other? What is, what's the purpose I, of the society? I think that there's a part of that. Um, and so there's, I, I feel like there's different ranges and as true with any person, like you're going to feel what you feel. Um, and so there's, more of an active movement in the guys going their own way movement that is generating a lot of attention. And if you want uh, to see like kind of some of the attention it's getting, uh, the guardian just did an article on it yesterday. And I was reading that article yesterday. And then today a uh, better bachelor did a video reviewing that article. And so I think uh, like reading the article and then watching that video uh, would give you a pretty good explanation of what's going on in that realm. Uh, so if you're interested, check it out. Why do you feel drawn to this particular group of of men who are have well people that identify as men on the internet um, having this discussion? Do you feel hurt by your previous relationships, and are you trying to make you strike me as a very logical man? I am a very logical man. Are you trying to make sense of the situations that that you've experienced, and and maybe try to look at some of the data around them, and 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 reach some kind of formula or understanding for why things have happened the way that they've happened? Well, not particularly. Uh, and actually, this is kind of what I wanted to uh, 
to really talk about on the show. Like one of the things that I really, really wanted to talk about with you and take, take this with, uh, there are many things that I feel like we would enjoy talking about. Um, so this is just, you know, the flavor of the week that has kind of been on my mind. Um, but I actually don't really subscribe to it, but I like, I like the red pill society for the information that it puts out there and, Hmm. um, giving context to like the problems with modern dating, um, which is this perpetuated, um, like hypergamous lifestyle that, uh, is seen as the, as the norm. Um, and so for me, I, I don't take on very many partners. I'm a very emotionally reserved person. Uh, I've had seven partners in my life and I remember all of their names. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, you know, to me, binding myself with another person, like romantically or sexually is a, is an important and deep thing. Um, And so when I look at the the modern dating scene even before like after my marriage and i was kind of like you know i i tried dating like almost immediately after it was like a couple months and i entered into like a quote-unquote relationship we were together for like a month two months um and like she lived in another state and like i went to see her and we had a wild week and then i got home and she was like i don't know if i can do the distance and i was like all right cool um and I, I just kind of left it at that. Like, I didn't really feel used or hurt in any way. I was just like, you know, like, that's that's understandable. Um, and so, like, I'd continue, like, going about my days. And, like, uh, I joined dating apps. But, like, throughout the entire time that I was on dating apps, I only got seven matches. Uh, and I hmm. was on dating apps for probably two years. Um, seven is a very consistent number for me, I'm seeing. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I just thought about that because it was like, you know, the two instances of like partners, how many matches I got. And like even my uh, football jersey was 77. But, you know, <laughs> it's funny how those patterns start to uh, yeah. start to catch our attention and emerge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it was like I was looking at, you know, the dating scene and like how I would actually meet people and like the people that I would like meet up like and meet at bars and talk to and like, you know, find out like, you know, how they see relationships and them being much more interested in like the casual relationships and the hookup scene and, you know, things like that. And I was like, well, that just doesn't interest me. So you do your thing. Um, Like I'm content to friends and I've made a lot of friends that way. Um, And, you know, like I've met a lot of really cool people and that doesn't bother me. Like, you know, go out, live your own life. Just understand that like, I'm not going to be one of those guy friends that you can hit up for hookups because I'm, you know, I'm just going to decline. That's not me. And so the, the more I, I kind of like saw these patterns and like saw it like so perpetuated throughout all the people, I was like, surely it can't just be me. Uh, And so that's when I started researching and I found the, uh, the red pill society. Actually, first I found better bachelor. um, And then, um, he had kind of pointed the way toward like the manosphere. And I checked that out and I found that I largely didn't agree with, you know, the more anti-feminism parts, because I think that modern feminism has done a lot of good. Um, And so, you know, I I want to be in support of that. Um, But I did find the, the subsects within that, that I was like, okay, yeah, I can understand what this is about and I can understand why people are walking away from it. And so 
where that came into me reaching out to you was like I I wanted to have an opportunity to talk through whether or not I thought that was right for me because as much as I know the statistics behind it not being in my favor, I'm still that traditionalist man who wants a family and who wants like a marriage and like a consistent relationship. And, you know, I, that's something that I, as a human crave, as I think many of us do. So you crave a deep, uh, connected intimacy with another person, but at the same time you have, experienced a very deep loss in your marriage um, and uh, probably um, having incurred some wounds, some attachment wounds of uh, betrayal and, and, and loss of trust. There may be some, some fear of fear of abandonment there. Now there may be some emotional PTSD. Uh, and then in your experiences directly afterward, you've also come up against individuals who, who might have a different, um, a different idea of what dating norms are than, than what you have, uh, what you've developed over the years, or perhaps what you were instilled with when you were younger. And Mm -hmm. you're looking, you're looking at the world and you're saying, is something broken with the world or is something broken with me? Or is it just coincidence? Is it just uh, bad, bad luck, bad timing, Mm -hmm. trying to, trying to make sense of the whole situation? Yeah, like just trying to find a little bit of uh, reasoning and for lack of a better term, the chaos. Um, Yeah. It sounds like you're just asking yourself what's what's next. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, uh, I am. Um, And for me, that answer, as it has been for the last couple of years, is do you, boo. Um, And like. So after after the divorce, like, yes, I absolutely was crushed. And I, I was not in a good spot. And, like, that's actually when I met Sandy um, was during that transition of my life. Uh, so I was one of the other roommates in that situation. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so her and Dom, incredible couple. I love the absolute shit out of the both of them. Uh, they are fantastic for each other, and I am so glad that the friendship with Matt has been able to be maintained between uh, Dom and Matt because those guys, like, they really do benefit from each other so very much. And there was a period where they weren't talking, and um, I remember we were working on Matt's car one day, and uh, like we were just changing out axles, and he like he stops and he like makes his face, and I was like, "What you think about?" And he's like should I forgive Dom? And I was like, yeah. And I just continued working on the car. (laughs) Just keep, keep working. Yeah. Yeah. The answer, the answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah. The answer is yeah. And so, you know, he like sat and thought about it and he's like, why? And I was like, well, because humans don't own each other and you can't own Sandy's emotions. If she develops feelings for something else, that's not either of our deal. I was like, you can choose to respect or not respect that decision. And he was like, okay. Um, and that's something that I had learned through through my marriage. So the way that I, I had seen that is instead of taking it and internalizing on the hurt, I decided to take that hurt and learn from it. Um, are you learning so, from it or are you identifying as a martyr victim? Because it, it strikes me that in, in your marriage, um, you, it strikes me that in your marriage, you kind of fell back to her desires for 
for opening the marriage, even though you didn't want to. And then when the marriage was over, you were very conciliatory and, and very reasonable and very uh, compassionate toward that. And then you very quickly looked for another relationship with another emotionally unavailable person, uh, somebody mm -hmm. that was out of state, somebody that was, again, far away. But you mentioned that that uh, you very much wanted to give this person the benefit of the doubt as well and, and that you're very supportive of the women's movement. My my concern is where's the support for you? Where where are you, where's the prioritization? Where's the where's the prioritization of, of your needs? Right, and so in a lot of that way, um, my own priority has been on me. Um, yeah. So I was drastically overweight. Uh, I was depressed. Uh, I did not have a great job. Like I, well, I did have a decent job, but they were moving to Dallas, and I was like, I'm really not trying to live in Dallas. So I'd left my decent job. Um, but you know, then I was divorced, had nothing. And so I started from the bottom and I built myself up. Uh, I lost 150 pounds in a year. Uh, I wow. got sober. Um, I, uh, built up at this, or I joined this company and I, they didn't have a customer service team. So I started their customer service department and I trained, uh, all the members of which, uh, Dom was my right-hand man. He was my first hire. Uh, and then, you know, I hired on somebody who, uh, you know, and trained him. And then after I felt like they were ready to run with scissors, uh, I left the department to Dom and his first hire into the department was Matt actually. Uh, so, uh, so they're, they're both working on the same team and they do, they do great. And so, uh, a lot of my focus has been on me. And like I'd said, I'd only dated for like a week, uh, or I guess it was like a a couple of months like we were talking online and then like we were together like physically for like a week uh and then we kind of split it off and then after that i was like i guess i don't really need to date like i have my own problems that i need to sort through first and so i sorted through my problems um and i would say that i have learned from it because and not consider myself a martyr victim uh because going into my next relationship i know who i am and i know what i stand for and i also know that i'm content to my own space Good. Do you know where you want to draw your boundaries for behavior that will not be acceptable? Yeah. And I, and I feel like I would be the kind of person who'd be able to calmly express that, um, like my position and be able to listen to their position and understand. And like, you know, I have a significant amount of empathy and sympathy and like, you know, I've been, you know, doing a, like, because when, when Annie and I were going through our rocks, like I did feel like an ignorant ass that didn't know anything. And so I started studying like various emotional and uh, mental behaviors of like, you know, people who are, you know, go through like the different transitions of life and like the various aspects as people choose to define themselves. And so I would consider myself a fairly understanding person. But I do also now know that I have boundaries that I need to make sure are expressed. Yeah, absolutely. And people respect you more when they know that there are boundaries, ways in which ways in which you will not tolerate being treated. Um, one thing that I ran into um, in early dating in my life, especially before I got sober, was that I would often play the the 
the, the martyr where I would allow the other person to, to do what they needed to do. And I would fall back and I'd fall back and, and, uh, you know, like Picard, the, we must draw the line here. Like in yeah. his, his whole Borg speech. Um, uh, they invade systems and we fall back. Yeah. So I, I felt like, I, I felt like I was doing this over and over and eventually I just needed to stand up and say, fundamentally at some point you have to treat me as a person. And I, I remember having a conversation, a critical conversation with a, with a woman that I was seeing, this is about um, nine years ago or so, uh, where I just said, look, um, I don't respect the way that you treat me. And I think it's a negative, I think it's a spiral. I think it's a downward spiral. I think I allow you to treat me poorly. And then you respect me less because you think I allow you think that me allowing you to treat me poorly is a sign of weakness and then you treat me even more poorly. So you kick harder and then I allow that and then you treat me more poorly. And I, I think there might be some validity to that. I'm not entirely sure, but I do know that the times when I have expressed very firm boundaries, it has either helped people self-select out early that they don't fit into those uh, parameters and they wouldn't be a good match for me. Um, or it has informed them early on that, um, I'm, uh, that, that I'm a, that I'm a human, that I have feelings and that, um, that certain behavior will not be tolerated. And if that behavior crosses those boundaries, I will ask them to leave, um, that the relationship will be over. And it's a, it's like a poker game where you're playing for beans and, and nobody really takes it seriously. And then suddenly everybody, t everybody puts a dollar into the pot and everything becomes very energized. Like it's not that you have to have a hundred dollars in there, but you have to have some table stakes. People have to know that there are some consequences to their actions and that there are stakes on the table. Yeah, right. And that is a piece of advice that I would really encourage all of the listeners is respect your values and communicate. Yeah. So you were, you've been wondering after trying online dating and have not having a lot of success with that, you've been researching mm -hmm. some of these, some of these men's groups online and, and some yeah. of these belief systems where perhaps men are just like, Oh, we're, we're all fucked. Like, like every, this, this is, this is not going our way. Um, but you've also identified that you think that, I, I mean, you, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, you think you've already done the personal work of walking away and focusing on yourself. Yeah. That you would need so to do. I had already walked away from the dating scene without knowing anything about like, the red pill society or the manosphere or any of that jazz yeah. um like because i just knew that i had my flaws that i needed to work on before i was going to be in a place where i could accommodate a healthy relationship um and you, you know, needed you needed to mourn you needed to mourn your yeah your, your marriage and, and you needed to right. heal and you needed to figure and out what was next for you like i had so much else going on in my life and like i didn't between like you know, what was going on with me, I didn't feel like I had time to involve another person. Uh, and that had remained true until I had met Liz. Um, and so, so Liz, I, I kind of like, we were, I was at a feed me concert uh, in downtown. I think we were at Vulcan. Um, and like, I was up on the rooftop um, and, or well, before I was in the rooftop, there was this just gorgeous woman walking around. And I was, I looked at her and I was like, she is way out of my league. Um, 
and then like 20 minutes later i i'm on the rooftop and uh she comes out and sits next to me um and like we just kind of started talking uh and we uh we both found out that we were like huge nerds um and like we traded numbers and then a couple days later she came over to my house to like play magic like we weren't we weren't planning on doing anything uh like at that point we had not talked about any romantic interest because i myself i just you know i'm a very very slow person like i want to i want to know a bit more about a person before i can say yes i'm romantically interested in this person i can say like oh you're physically beautiful but do you have substance um like and so like we were just we were just hanging out um and uh like we ended up making out at the end of the night um and then like talking more extensively and so she had ad admitted to me that like she was going through her transition it was very recent into the transition um and uh she'd never dated a guy before um and so like she just never been interested in a guy at all uh and so she was wondering if i would be willing to be like you know her test to see if she could be attracted to men um and to that i was like yeah absolutely um like let's go through this journey um and so she and i are still very good friends uh i was actually at her house this saturday and we were talking about this because i wanted to get her permission before i talked about her on the show let's um, consider it and so uh what she had told me um is that she valued all of the time that we spend together and the only reason that we didn't date is because she didn't want to have to break up with me hmm. um and so which which i thought was fairly kind um i wouldn't have been upset by that because like the way that i had it in my mind is i wanted to date her for a couple of years so that i could help teach her some of the life skills that i know because that you know i do know a lot of stuff that would have been very uh useful to the nomadic lifestyle that she wanted to live um because i lived that nomadic lifestyle for a while um but you know i wasn't terribly interested in doing it again and so i figured like hang out with me for a couple of years let me impart as much knowledge on you as i can so that when you go off into the world you are as equipped for success as you absolutely can be um and so but again again you are you're sacrificing for the other person. Why would you give up three or a couple of years? Why would you offer a couple of years to teach someone else life skills or that, that they can learn they any, right. anywhere or, or in another relationship when you know that what you want to nourish your soul is a committed monogamous relationship? That's because three I years that you would never get back. Yeah, but that's I hadn't met anybody that I would want to have spent those three years on otherwise um and in my but, mind like even having those those years together like that is a consistent long-term relationship to me and if it comes to its natural natural conclusion it comes to its natural conclusion and like i don't have to marry someone to love them you know okay so for you, you can love someone, know, e even knowing that they have already expressed that this is not the situation, long-term situation that they want to be in. And you can appreciate that situation for as long as it lasts and then let it go when it's over. Right. Um, 
and you know that's not to say that like i wouldn't want to eventually have the family and kids but i knew that that wasn't liz and i wouldn't want to force that upon her and i wouldn't want to miss the opportunity to spend some time with a beautiful human on the instance that i was trying to pump out some babies you know i mean i mean it sounds like you're in fairly secure attachment and it sounds like um do do you feel like you're uh anxious attachment or avoidant or more secure um, I, I don't really feel that anymore. Uh, I think that I had those issues and I worked through them in a very healthy okay. manner. Good. Um, and, and like I said, like I had multiple years to do so. Uh, Liz, Liz, I've probably known for maybe the last year, uh, if that. So um, at this point, are you asking yourself the big question that a lot of men ask themselves, which is where the heck do I meet people? Kind of. Uh, yeah. So, um, and I've got some, some points to that as well with the whole, uh, 80, 20 attraction ratio, um, which what's that, what's, what's the 80, 20 attraction ratio? Uh, the 80, 20 attraction ratio is that 80% of women only pursue the top 20% of men. What does top 20% mean? Uh, you know, the, the financial security, the physical appearance, like, you know, that, that bad boy allure kind of deal. Um, and like, so you have the majority of the dating scene focused on this narrow scope of chads. Um, and so, you know, they chase the chads and then they get hurt by the chads and then they go, men are bad. Um, isn't, isn't that true of men too? Don't men by and large date or, or chase the more attractive women? Yes. Um, but the, the ratio to that one is not 80, 20. Uh, it's, it's more like a 40, 60. Um, let me ask, let me ask you a trivia question. Who is the hottest actress? <laughs> I don't, you are asking the wrong person, my friend. I don't watch media. Who is the hottest? Oh wait, but you watch television shows and sci-fi and stuff, right? Not really. No. Uh, I grew oh, up okay. without internet until I was like 14. Oh, Okay. Um, well, so, I mean, I guess I had some exposure to various media, but it just wasn't a particular interest to me. Um, and like, even, even now, like, like I watch, uh, various YouTube channels and like educational content and things like that. But I, I don't, if I'm going to sit down and watch a movie, it's for the social experience, not for the movie. Um, okay. Let me rephrase the question. Um, are you familiar with the, uh, Miss, Miss America beauty pageant? No. Well, I'm familiar with oh. it, but I've never watched it. Okay. So imagine that there are women from every state of the United States and each one of them is beautiful, right? Right. And they're all standing on stage. Um, One of them is going to win. Another one's going to be a runner up and the other one's going to be the second runner up. Um, But do you think that empirically and universally in the entire audience, everyone agrees which woman out of all those, all of those women that are on the stage, 50, 52, I don't know how many women there are, um, are, are, are equally attractive. Like, or sorry, do you, do you think that everyone would agree that the one that won is the most attractive woman? No, because I think that a lot of our beauty is subjective. Um, yes. And agreed, uh, would be so if beauty's circumstantial to the individual. Um, right. So if beauty is subjective, how can there be an 80, 20 rule? How can how can eighty percent of people be chasing the same twenty percent of people if if different people find different people attractive? Um, so, <laughs> I think that actually comes from dating apps uh, and something that you had talked uh, in your episode with uh, Krimi uh, is the dating app 
uh, you know, dynamic is to target the the sort of super swipes and to pa- match people with people that are likely to to fail. Um, and so these guys that are really in it for just the action that, you know, like when we were, when at least when I was growing up, uh, if if we wanted to have that sort of consistent action, we would have to settle in with a partner. Um, but now you see a ratio of men that are like, oh, cool, I can, you know, not have to settle into a relationship, but I can get action from like these multiple sources, even if it's not the same source, I'm still getting what I want out of it. Uh, and so I think that the app really targets like those types of men that like, oh yes, you're physically attractive and you're likely to leave these women. So I'm going to put you to the forefront. And so women who, and like in the 21st century with everybody kind of like jumping onto these dating apps and like kind of looking at like what the dating norm is and like they're seeing like, okay, I don't need to settle for a lesser man. Like I'm great. I should be dating great. This guy looks great. Uh, and so then they kind of like continue to perpetuate that. And then like it translates then outside of the, the, I guess, uh, e-dating world. And so like, then the, it comes to a head where like, if you aren't one of these like really, really attractive men, like you generally just don't get attention. And I'd noticed that like from my time as an unattractive overweight man to somebody who I feel like is probably now like a seven and a half. Um, like I would put myself in like the 70, 65 to 70% range, um, of that attraction ratio. Um, but like, even still, I don't really get noticed. Um, and so it, it leaves me to believe that, you know, maybe that statistic isn't as like just a perpetuated number by some guys that are wanting to, to make it seem like it's a whole thing. And I, I have my own qualms with the 80 20 ratio and i don't think that it has been scientifically proven and i like things to be scientifically proven um but i don't know how you would generally prove something like that but you just you see this the social trends and then you kind of look at like my personal experience and the experience of my friends who have all you know gone through the basically the exact same thing as me and all of us are over here scratching our heads wondering like well is it true what kind of partner do you want? And and I'll I'll ask it two different ways, but I'll I'll start I'll start from this question. What what kind of partner do you think would be a good partner for you? That is a good question. Um and I don't know, like somebody somebody understanding, somebody I can have long conversations with. Um like for me I've never had like the sexual experience be the driving factor of my relationships. Um, I look for personal depth. Um, <clears throat> somebody who is mentally stimulating. Right. Do you uh, search for people that have common interests? Um, yes. So um, I like... I like people who have common interests, um, but I don't want us to agree on everything. Um, sure. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be exact duplicates of each other, but you should be able to, to talk, talk about and flow in similar subjects. Right. Right. And I, I've seen like my friends who are in relationships where they're basically like two clones of each other. And like they, sometimes they work out great and usually they don't. Um, but you know, it, I think 
that's an unfair statement because all of us are our own individual people and all of us have our personal depth. But, you know, you take a look at the monkey sphere and you acknowledge the fact that you're only going to be able to see, say, like 25, 30 people as people and everyone else gets put as a cardboard cutout. Like, otherwise your brain gets overloaded. Mm. Well, I mean, um, we are human, but... Yeah, exactly. And if you haven't looked it up, that's a study that was done in the early 2000s. Really, really interesting stuff. Uh, the monkey sphere. Check it out. Yeah, we only have so much empathy um, in our empathy batteries, and we only have there's so like, much... Yeah, there's like 25 to 30 people that we can see as people. It's uh, we, we certainly have a capacity for, for how much vulnerability and how much attachment we can, we can engage in. Um, as, as people, but back to, back to your ideal partner, imagine that there was a domain where like the, the, the shopping area, the domain in North Austin. Yeah. Um, imagine there was an area like the domain where each boutique shop, uh, had, uh, women waiting, uh, to engage in conversations with, with men and men waiting to engage in conversations with women and that each boutique shop, uh, carried with it a certain brand. And that brand represented a certain kind of person. I, I, not that we would put people into boxes, but let's just say that one of them's a comic book shop and it's got a bunch of nerdy people in it that are talking mm -hmm. about magic, the gathering and D and D another one is like a Nordstrom kind of shop. And they're talking more high fashion another one is like a yoga shop and they're talking like more wellness mm -hmm. and things like which shop do you want to go to to find your partner which where would you find your best friend slash lover what would they look like um i would probably drift around a couple of different shops just to kind of like see what sort of options would be on the market not to say that like these should be transactional per se but you know for for the sake of argument um <clears throat> i would probably start with the the nerdy sections and like start with like magic and D D and you know that sort of things and then i feel like i would gravitate uh to something culinary so that i could you know like talk to that point um mm. Like uh, culinary is a big thing for me. I, I took a couple of years of culinary school and I love to cook. I think of myself as more of an artist in that realm. And that's kind of why I didn't do it as a, as a professional career is because I felt like I would have to just output the same thing over and over and that I would get bored. Yeah. Um, from there, I'd probably go to like a music shop um, or because I big on music uh really really deep and i know there, there are so many different facets to music uh and so i try to you know appreciate as much as i possibly can um so i just i find that i'm more gravitated to songs that are interesting more than a particular genre and i think that's true for people as well um okay because that's... i don't i don't think that we're all one portion of ourselves i think we all have our our varied hobbies and interests and we at least hopefully have our depth uh and i want to you know meet somebody and learn their depth and find somebody whose person resonates with mine so you picked three really good shops you picked three great deeply rooted interests um that uh that resonate deeply with you and what you ended up describing was the shop where you would be standing. That's your shop. 
the shop that you're running, the, the, the place that people would come to meet you is a comic book kind of D&D shop with some great music and a bunch of LPs uh, sitting over on the side with uh, a, a restaurant coffee bar mixed into it that sells whatever you like to like to make, whether it's baked goods or whether you like to fry up some stuff mm-hmm. or whatever, and is like this interesting fusion amalgamation um, of of these these offerings. So imagine that you could open that shop tomorrow, right? If you if you were the owner of that shop and you created that space, what kind of people do you think would come there? Um, so for the, for the shop that, uh, what I would picture as like my shop of like my nerdy interest, because like I, when I think of like my nerdy facets, uh, I'm really into uh, Magic the Gathering and tabletop strategy games. Um, and okay. so I, I figure it would probably be some sort of like, you know, gaming epicenter on like one side. And then like with, you know, you have like, you're playing the music that is for sale uh, and just kind of like presented as a side portion of that gaming thing. And then you would have like the restaurant on the side so that like people can get their varied food and like watch the different games. Uh, and I I don't know who would visit that shop. Like I, I feel like, um i'd probably find people like my friends um like sandy and dom would likely visit a shop like that i don't know if they're as much into like the tabletop war gaming as i am but like you know it um, sounds like a great it sounds like a great shop and it actually reminds me of a number of places here in town and the reason i ask you is if you were to open that exact shop that mirrors your interests and your personality the kind of people that would come in the door are the kind of people that resonate with the same things, or at least who want to dip their toes in it and understand it, which means that every man or woman, whatever your sexual preference and orientation is, I mean, given, I believe you're straight. Uh Um, Every woman that comes in the door, if she is also inclined to, to date men would be a potential partner for you, which means you would not have to go out and find them. They would come to you. They would be coming to your shop. They would be coming to find what they're interested in, and they would find you there. You would already be part of it. You wouldn't be going to bars. You wouldn't be trolling like online uh, forums or Reddit or, or looking at dating apps. You uh-huh. could have the people actually coming to you. Now, right. that is a that is a reality. You can do that if you want. All you have to do is identify the qualities that that you just defined and then put yourselves in situations where those people would would frequent. Like Vigilante right. Games is a great is a great environment um, where I've met just random strangers and played played games with. Um, I see people in comic book shops all the time. I used to hang out at Dragon's Lair. Um, but if you know that those are kind of your people. Um, do you think that there is a way that you can meet those people? And then do you think that some of those people might be interested in the same kind of monogamous, uh, committed relationship that you're interested in? I mean, potentially. Um, and I have like, there have been instances where I've been hanging out at establishments, uh, much like those, like I visited multiple of those same places. Um, yeah. <clears throat> And so, like, I, I feel like I could potentially meet somebody there, but usually when I go to a place, I go there for a specific thing, and then I leave. Um, and I, right. I generally don't talk to people, uh, especially not during COVID. Um, 
like I just kind of go about my business as I always have been. Um, like, and that, I think that comes from me growing up in the woods, uh, where, you know, I was just very much about my quiet and my internal monologue. And so like, whenever I go on these sorts of, uh, like outings, um, I enjoy the drive there. I listen to my music, like while I do my shopping thing, and then I enjoy the drive home. Uh, and I always like kind of had this like little boy fantasy of like hoping that I meet my true love at a car show. Um, <laughs> I like car shows. Oh, me too. I, uh, I'm real big on cars. I have a 98 E36 M3 that I'm just absolutely in love with. I um, love those little M3s. They're adorable. I know. Um, I think my next project is there's a, uh, VR six GTI that I really want to get in. Like when I was first listening to them online, like I, I just did not like how they sounded, but then I test drove the thing and it reminded me of Chewbacca and I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, like, I mean, do I want to be that obnoxious guy in my little blue lunchbox? Yeah, I do. <laughs> why not? You know, why not? Why not? Why not just own like, it? I mean, yeah, like I can be reserved and loud, you know. Absolutely, you can be. You can be whatever the heck you you want to be. Like it's uh, mm-hmm. it, it, as much as much acceptance as you have for other people. Like you, you also have that much acceptance for yourself, right? Uh, so you can you can show up however however you want to show up. Do you do you feel like whenever you're creating these dating profiles that you uh, advertise and advocate for your own interests, or do you feel like you're creating profiles that you think other people might like? So I very much listed my interests, but tried Good. to keep it presented in a way that I felt other people might enjoy reading. And I felt like because I only got seven matches throughout the entire time that I was on dating sites, I failed in that regard. And therefore, like at, at least at the time, I felt like I wasn't interesting. Um, and then I was like, wait, no, that's horseshit. Like, I'm just not interesting in the way that they're trying, like to the market that I'm presenting to. So if I want to present the me that is interesting, I need to, you know, find a way to show that. Uh, But there was something that you had touched on that I think is very important, um, in terms of like the, uh, the meeting people in the shop. Um, and Mm -hmm. so as far as it comes to meeting a long-term romantic partner, and this is how I would want to do it. And statistically how it generally works out best for the healthiest relationship is I would want to start with a dialogue. Um, and I think that's why the, uh, the episode with Sarah like resonated with me so much is because, she said that her preferred way of meeting somebody would be to talk on the phone a couple of times and really just get Mm -hmm. to like know that person. Um, And so I kind of want to take it and like, so Sarah, if you're listening uh, and with Tucker's permission, I'll like, I already gave you my (laughs) phone number, but you're welcome to, to share it with her. Um, I would challenge you instead of looking at my picture first, talk to me and then look at my picture. Mm. Yeah. I think I definitely think that the modern dating world um, and perhaps just modern American culture is very aesthetically driven. Um, There's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of importance put on looks above anything else. 
when when a lot of the research that we have over the last 50, 100 years, ever since Kinsey and everything else, uh, points toward long-term compatibility having very little to do with looks, actually. Looks, looks, uh-huh. are, a great, looks are a great spark for limerence. Uh, they're a great spark for lust. They're, they, are, con- they do contribute to uh, long-term compatibility, especially if limerence is part of a long-term deeper love. But they certainly are not the end-all, be-all. And we see the success of arranged marriages. We see the success. But even those are, are changing these days Mm -hmm. uh arranged marriages are now much more hey here are some potential candidates which ones are you willing to meet and people will say okay i'm willing to meet these after looking at the pictures they look at like a a dossier of the people and they go well i'll go on a date with these three um and i recently watched a netflix show called love on the spectrum that features um that features people on the autistic spectrum that are genuinely looking for uh, connection and intimacy and true love. And they are meeting with uh, a dating instructor and with other coaches that help explain to them how they can look at social cues, how they can practice active listening, how they can put themselves in situations where it's possible to meet somebody else and then and then things to talk like, do you make a list of things to talk about? Like, how do you pause and let the other person talk? And it made I have that problem made. (laughs) Yes. It made everything so clear to me. I was like, Oh my gosh, I need to watch this show about five times so I can learn how to date. Like they're explaining it so simply. And it really is about these fundamental basics. And it was interesting to see how little, um, people really care about looks. I mean, there is a certain amount of attraction between individuals, but, But at the end of the day, people really just want their best friend that they can hang out with all the time that they are also Mm -hmm. romantically drawn to. Like, that's really, I think, what a lot of us are looking for. Right. No, absolutely. And um, back to that thing or back to the episode with Sarah, as you had said uh, in there is like the, the biggest issue with that is when people like claim that that's what they want, but then they act differently. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like, I, I really want to like, not, not to challenge that, like, that's something I agree with, but, like, I want to challenge that in the way that we as society currently aren't doing it. Right. And that's right. on a large I scale. Think... And, you know, we have the evidence of that. And, like, that's why this uh, guys going their own way movement is a thing. Yeah. I, it's any time that things get hard, there are some people that will innovate and some people that will entrench. I mean, it's, it's just the way that, that we're built. Um, and I feel like you have the kind of unique mind as well as the empathy and the self-awareness and the willingness to do the work to innovate on your own search for, for love. And I see you going through these different stages of, um, of grief, uh, of, of, of your marriage, um, being in the marriage, kind of trying to save it. And then afterward, really trying to connect with other people, then trying things the way that these app creators want us to try them kind of falling in these same pits that I've fallen into that, that so many other people have fallen into. And one of the worst things about these apps and these 
these things that you know apps are kind of like the recruiters of the modern dating world like it's people don't even have interviews with end companies anymore kind you contact of. a recruiter they represent you it's these dating apps are are so powerful now um it but the 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 negative power of them is all, is that you can also Yes, you can experience these momentary moments of euphoria if you match with somebody, but the match has no substance. All that means is that right. they swiped their finger. They did. They may not. They may not have read anything. Absolutely. Whatever. And they it's may very not shallow. have even been looking for the same thing that you are. They may have been like, "Oh, he's cute, and I want him to think that I'm cute," and like they're looking exactly. for validation. Like they could have their own relationship, and you you really don't know. Um, you don't know. And like, I want to know someone. Right. Somebody might just be in a place where they really just want to feel liked by anybody. And so they just sit there with their finger, not even looking at the screen, just swipe, 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 swiping, accepting everybody. But then they are not going to answer anyone. And the truth is, on the other side, if you're not getting matches, it feels like constant rejection. And it doesn't feel like Uh rejection, like going up to somebody in the supermarket and asking one person out. It feels like thousands of people are rejecting you on a daily basis. Like, I felt like I was getting shit on by the entire nation. So I just uninstalled it. Like, (laughs) which is. Which is terrible because they don't show us the metrics of how many people actually saw your profile and they don't show us the metrics of like of those people, how many of it considered it and then abandoned like like shopping cart abandonment or whatever. Um, yeah. I, I look at these metrics when I build e-commerce sites. And and so we, we don't have this critical information of at what point did it break down. And I was recently watching these PSAs from the 1950s. I was posting some of them to the the Dating Debrief uh, Facebook page, and um, and it occurred to me that so many relationships when we were in high school, college, and um, 40 years ago, even even since then, so many healthy relationships come out of friendships, and so many great relationships come out of groups of friends and and group activities, and. I think we have gotten to this socially isolated and insulated place where, because I used to do this with my friends, even if you're going downtown, you go as a group, you stay as a group, you may talk to a couple of other people, but really you're getting drunk as a group and then you go home to like everybody goes home or sometimes some people just wander off and hook up, but it's not a real connection that you can't hear anything in the bars. And yeah. then, so so that's not socially engaging, but then people go out together to dinners, whatever, but they're not going out with new groups of people. I, I really wish we had more places like Vigilante or more places driven, especially after this COVID thing, where you can uh-huh. go and spend in-person time with other people, making friends um, and doing these kinds of things. And And to that end, over the years, I've asked myself, why don't I go back to church? Why don't I go to more meetup groups? Why don't I yeah. include myself in more of these, more of these kinds of groups of of people that seem to be more more like minded? Um, and I, I finally realized that one of the reasons that I decided to do these discussions with people is that I thought that if I just put these vulnerabilities and thoughts out there, that maybe people that want to talk about this stuff will reach out to me. And what I find is it's so nourishing. Like I am so grateful for you today. I'm so grateful mm. to you for reaching that. out. I appreciate you very much. Um, I, I value your input and your insight. I want to be 
part of this journey that you're on and I want to keep in touch and, and see where your next steps take you. And I think it would be great to have a couple of people like you and Sarah um, and maybe a, th a third person on an episode together where we talk about some of these things uh, as a group and where we start these conversations as a community and start building up this community of people that we know look and treat each other with respect and are coming from a place of love and respect. And we all want the same thing. We want everyone else to be happy and feel wanted and seen and valued. And even if we are not that person's person, we want them to find their person. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think we can find that together. Yeah, and I, I think that's something that we can do for each other. <clears throat> and that's something that I was really glad um, when Sandy had introduced me to this uh, to this show. Um, and like, I think, I think you had just dropped like episode six, uh, when she had, um, when she had showed it to me. Um, and like, I was, I was going through some stuff with like another girl that I had had a massive crush on and things just weren't working out. And it was, it was because of that not working out that I was like, okay, what is wrong here? What is going wrong that makes it so that my efforts are, you know, into dating or failing? Like if I've now tried to pursue three people, three is my rule. Um, and it hasn't gone well in any of those instances. Certainly there's something, you know, of merit. And so that's, that's when I kind of started doing, doing more research onto it. And, you know, when I found uh, the better bachelor, and then I'd found, um, I think it's, uh, the daily red pill is the name of the channel. Um, mm. and there's a, a blog site that I've been reading that I definitely, um, well, two of them. So then there was Return of Kings and Dating After the Red Pill that I had found. Uh, and I was just kind of like reading articles on those, getting general information. And then I'd found this show and I was like, this is different. And this is what we as a community need. Because uh, Krimi said it like, it's hard dating as a woman because like, you know, you don't know who you're going to run into. There are a lot of guys that you can be scared of saying no to. Like, I'm glad that the Me Too movement is a thing because, like, Mr. Wanky is out there. Um, and he's, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, no. <laughs> he's looking for his He's looking for his next victim right but now. But he is. He actually is. And that's, he that's actually a real is. big problem. Um, and yes. so, like, we need, we need to be opening up these narratives because, like, those are the guys that are currently getting a massive amount of attention. And like we, I feel like we should be pulling some of that back and like really looking at the larger picture of, um, okay, what do we do with these other guys that aren't getting that attention? Like what, what sort of ways can we open up the, the dating perspective? So it's not so narrow. You know, one of the things that strikes me about um, the personality types that you call chads um, <laughs> that I th that I find kind of fascinating is uh, traditionally the the kinds of people that you're describing are not content creators. There are outliers where individuals will be um, very a personality, and they'll they'll create their YouTube channels and they'll rant and rave. And Alex mm -hmm. Jones is a good a good example of uh, somebody that's that's just batshit crazy, but yeah. had achieved a certain level of notor notoriety, right? Mm -hmm. um, probably, I mean, absolutely a, di a, a diagnosed yeah. narcissist. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. NPD off the scale, totally. um, but. 
the vast majority of these of these individuals do not create content and it makes me wonder if more people like yourself uh, create the content to speak about like you're doing right now to speak about how you feel to speak about your truth and to have that dialogue going and put it out there for women to consume because so much of the stuff that women look to consume on personal growth on healing on health comes from other women and they are very hungry and curious about information coming from men it is uh -huh. very difficult for them to get the perspective of the other people on the other side of the aisle they look at all these dating apps and they go they're all chats like i don't right. have anything to do with it right. they're all going to be so um, they're looking for you too. They just don't know how to find you either. Yeah. And, and that is definitely an interesting thing and something I'd considered doing myself uh, previous, but like, so like, I guess my general argument is like, I just, with how busy I've generally been, I haven't had the additional time or mental energy to build myself a channel. Um, and if I were to build a channel, I probably wouldn't do dating. I would probably do cars. Um, because that's what would interest me and keep me invested to continue making content. Um, Which would be brilliant. I'd listen to that. Yeah. like, uh, And I was actually talking to um, one of my longtime friends last night. Uh, so he, he wants to eventually be able to open up a car detailing business. Um, and I want to have a shop space where I have a lift and can park my cars. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so we were, we were talking about it and I was like, honestly, like as things continue to go well for me, um, I'm okay with investing into a, a joint business. And, um, like I was already thinking about kind of following like the, the, the business name that I really like is I like the silver lining. Um, mm. And, and like it comes from from my grandfather. Uh, we used to do the rendezvous when I was a kid, and he uh, he gave me my camp name of Silverhawk because uh, I was really good with the tomahawk. Um, I've actually won uh, two state champions for throwing knives and tomahawks. So wow, um, that'll get you a date at the Renaissance Festival. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, I haven't practiced a whole lot now, but like uh, one of the one of the thing like dreams I had as a kid was I wanted to like get really into blacksmithing and like um, and I, I did get into blacksmithing uh, and I thought about like opening up a traveling shop that would go to the various renaissance and it would be like the silver lining smithing co. Um, and, you know, like that kind of transitioned into like other opportunities that just like kind of adhere to that silver lining mentality that I want to perpetuate. like things can be bad but there's always a silver lining um yeah like you you just have to find the good in what you're looking for and that's true for you know cars that's true for work that's true for relationships um so you know like we were we were kind of talking that prospect and where this links back to to you know the streaming aspect of it is like we were talking like you see a lot of twitch streams but you don't see a lot of car twitch streams and usually when you do it's like simulator content and so we were discussing like how could one effectively have an automotive like stream where you detail and work on cars and just kind of share your information with it and so it's like you're more like planted in one spot like interfacing knowledge to the camera interacting with chat uh and i think that would be a sort of medium that i'd be interested in pursuing but as far as like 
creating content for dating advice. I don't think that's me, but I am happy to participate in that sort of discussion. And that's especially why I'm really glad that you're having this show uh, is because this gives me a medium that I can join in and contribute to that conversation without needing to invest the time I don't have. Yeah, you have to find what is what is, you have to pursue your passions and you have to use the fuel that comes from inside of yourself to to further your own discussions and to create those narratives and I think the idea of you having a Twitch stream of you laying under a car and somebody reading out comments to you and you're turning lug wrenches and stuff and you're like uh you're like the problem with these things is uh that this bolt always sucks and and I think people would find that fascinating i think people who who love and find that fascinating would find each other mm -hmm. through that community would would start up the conversation yeah i think i think we need more venues of these kinds of like back in the day it used to be yahoo chat and that kind of stuff people would all uh -huh. jump in a chat room to talk about the same stuff um yeah. and i think we've we've really lost out on that kind of online community stuff maybe maybe twitch can bring some of that back mm-hmm yeah, potentially. Uh, and if not Twitch, maybe another streaming medium. Um, like, uh, as much as it is kind of a joke to say it, like, uh, OnlyFans is doing really, really well. Uh, and not only in the, you know, like the more sexually driven content, though that is a significant markup, but like there are other content pages on OnlyFans that are uh, dedicated to other interests uh and i think that as a platform for streamers that are looking to have like a more financially sound uh streaming career like maybe consider your only fans um um you know things like that um but you yeah know, I, I think we're we're definitely getting well off <laughs> off the no, dating topic I, here but I mean, that's the great thing about interpersonal communication. Like you, you, we, we, you know, we got to have a great conversation about dating. We got to have a great conversation about where you've been, where you came from, where you're going and really what you want. And I really only have one more question for you. And that's if there is somebody that hears this episode and they really resonate with what you have to say, and they would like to strike up a conversation with you, is there a way that they could do that? Is there a way that would you like to give some information uh, to them so that people can get in touch with you? Um, so I'm a pretty private person. Um, I don't, I'm not on very many social medias. For the for the specific example of Sarah, like feel free to give her my number. I'm interested in sure. like having a conversation with her. But yeah, like I, I do want to do like a little bit of preliminary conversation. Um, and if you want to find me, I do have an Instagram. Uh, I think it's xilch zero. Um, let me make awesome. sure that's right. That's my handle on pretty much all of my gaming platforms. You could also find me on Steam and message me there or Discord, which I'm I'm on Discord. Um, That'd be so I guess those pretty are great if. Places, but... It'd be pretty great if somebody heard an episode, added you on Steam, and you guys yeah. just started talking while you were playing Diablo 3. Yeah, I do play Diablo 3. Um, it's a great game. It's a great game. I love it. Uh, yeah, X-I-L-C-H-0. Zilch 0. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and, and with me and for being so transparent and and honest and thank you for bringing so many thought-provoking uh topics and and really these these great 
these great conversation, these great conversational points that we need to discuss as a culture um, to uh-huh. uh, to this podcast today because I, I've learned a lot and I really appreciate you showing up and and sharing everything with me and I think. I think you're in a great space and I think that you have not done anything wrong. I think that you are, that you are worthy of love. I think that you have a lot of integrity, um, a lot of empathy. I think you're killing it at work. Obviously you're passionate about your job and anybody, anybody would be lucky to engage in a relationship with you because I think they would be getting exactly what you're advertising. They would be, they would be getting, they'd be, they'd, they'd get exactly what they signed up for. And they would get somebody who's ready to communicate and ready to do the hard work to form a long lasting relationship. Um, so I, I just wanted you to know how, how valuable I think you are and how unique I think you are. Um, and, and that you have a lot to give, you have a lot to offer. Well, thank you. I definitely appreciate that. Um, and I do think that we should do this again sometime. And I would be interested in joining a, you know, multi-person conversation. Like, I think that you have a nice format where you can really get into the one-on-one. Um, and, and I think that that offers a lot of merit. But I do think that like group discussions um, is something that could be and should be explored on the channel. I'm happy to contribute my thoughts. And I'm, I'm glad that you gave me the opportunity to, uh, to join the show today. Uh, and Absolutely. I'm especially glad that you're putting on this narrative. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm glad that you were a part of it. We all need a vehicle for discussing the things that weigh on our hearts, and it can be alluring to think that we are in this life alone, or that our problems are unique to us and our struggles are insurmountable. As I open up with more and more people, I discover new abilities to show up for others and new ways to show them how amazing they are in return. I'm reminded that we are not alone that our problems are not unique to us, and that hope is always a phone call or a podcast away. I do hope you enjoyed this episode with Caden and that you will follow us on whatever podcasting service you prefer. You can find The Dating Debrief on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you look for podcasts these days. If you would like to be a guest on the show, I would love to hear from you. Please send me an email at show at the dating debrief.com. And let's talk about your journey and find new ways to show up for each other.